Hello, before we get started on this episode of We Love to Watch, I do want to let you know that for some weird reason, uh, the audio of our guests stopped about halfway through. So we did uh, edit around it. Uh, could be a couple different reasons. One, uh, general frustration with having to talk about global warming during a pandemic and they just decided they were done recording. Or B, they uh, they appreciated uh, us as hosts so much that they decided that they would just rather listen to us for the rest of the episode. But either way, that's what we ended up having. Uh, so we tried to edit around it as much as possible. It's why it's both a shorter episode and... Um uh, and why uh, it uh, they, they disappear from the, the back half. So thank you again, Dustin Adam, for being on as guests. Hopefully we'll have you on again for a complete episode in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah, and also just to know that them being uh, not on the back half did miss a really good runner about uh, Waterworld and uh, needing to drink our own pee and suing Kevin Reynolds. It was really funny in context, I promise you, and not lame and old. Uh, so here you go. Here's our last uh, week of Did We Dock Up with An Inconvenient Truth with uh, Aaron and Peter for the entire episode and Dustin Adam for about half. I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Dustin Kosky. I'm Am Kosky. And we love to watch a TED Talk hosted by someone with all the charisma of Al Gore. Hey, Adam. Hi. Hello, Aaron. Hi. <laughs> Hello for the first time. Um, good talking to you guys again. No, uh, where we love to watch, we're a movie podcast. That's a joke just for us. Uh, we're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme. If we remember, we compare and contrast. And this month, let's just say, much like uh, Vietnam, uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> uh, we, we had... Uh, this, this Sometimes you do documentaries, or you plan your month filled with uh, documentaries of months and months in advance, and you're like, all right, we're going to end it with an inconvenient truth. Something about global warming, sure, it's going to be a bummer, but it's not like everyone is going to be depressed by a like mini-apocalypse before we talk about the, the eventual apocalypse that'll happen with global warming, but we didn't. Yeah, baby's first apocalypse to, uh, you know, full-on Pacific Rim apocalypse. We're learning what would be really important in an apocalypse, that it would be bad for the Tao. <laughs> yep, yep. I think, yeah, either way, I, the Tao, the Tao uh, is suffering. And actually, it's our fault. If anything, all of us owe the Tao an apology, and, and we'll probably owe the Tao an apology for the rest of our lives based on the material in this movie. But yes, yeah. Uh, can they cue the Melissa Etheridge song uh, to footage of the ticker line going down and down? <laughs> I need uh, those And then the Alan Jackson up. song about uh, 9-11, too. <laughs> I need those gains. I need where where were you when you didn't invest in GDP? <laughs> yeah. And the Oscar goes to Melissa Etheridge, dividends. <laughs> We're doing An Inconvenient Truth, which is uh, a movie that came out in 2006, made $50 million on a $1 million budget, uh, was this huge hit, and then also became the focal point of, like, we basically have lived in a time for the last 20 years where if anything comes up, it's just the new focal point of our culture war. Uh, so we had to live through a million different parodies of this that were, uh, in some ways terrible like they like the south park stuff i'm sure we might mention here um, we'll get into it we've talked about south park i think every episode this month yeah, so and also we know for a fact dustin and adam also don't like south park so it's a good good mix of people talking about south park we, so anyways we're doing it in convenient truth some of us also watch the sequel uh we'll get into that a little bit too but yeah we are definitely ending on a little bit of a bummer uh anytime you're watching a documentary that is a warning to the future from 15 years ago, that if we don't make drastic changes soon, things are going to get 
even worse than be on a a runaway train that's never coming back, as Soul Soul Asylum would say. Uh, And then you watch it 15 years later and you realize we've made none of those changes that we would have need to make the the train is the train is even closer to the end of the Back to the Future cliff, and I don't think we're going eighty eight miles per hour yet, guys. So we could be in a lot of trouble. But before we get into all that, we're joined by two brothers, collectively I think known as the brothers uh, Koskimovsky. Individually, they're Adam and Dustin Koski. Together, there's some made-up word I said. Why don't you guys introduce yourself and tell us why the fuck did you want to come on the show to talk about an inconvenient truth? Uh, basically, it's because as a scientist and or... You're not a scientist. You brought a scientist <laughs> no, yeah. with you. I'm the scientist that he's introducing. I'm uh, Adam Koski. I briefly, uh, I work at European Biodynastics as a data analyst, and um, I'll let Dustin explain why... We're so damn interested in this. Uh, basically, we thought we would be most qualified to cover this film because we did a bunch of independent research to fact check how much the predictions Al Gore has made have been borne out so far and do a slight parsing of what's now considered outdated or uh, theories and postulations. So I don't want you to spoil it, but is there any chance that the predictions made actually ended up worse? No. <laughs> it's better? Slightly. It's exaggerated. It's along the same tread lines generally. Okay. Well, great. On the same tread lines to Danger Zone. I think for to, to make the cinematic, he needed to speed up the process by which these things are occurring, which is, I think, a little bit of the problem we have with reaching... Um, skeptical right-wing demographics on this issue is that we we came across as alarmists initially and now the things that are unfolding are unfolding slow enough that they're uh, fairly easily digested and normalized having been very and i'm not saying you guys weren't politically aware in 2006 and being on part of this debate and talking to a lot of people both in my life or online or seeing what the cultural conversation was around global warming and this movie i think it would be disingenuous to say that the reason that uh the right wingers or evangelical christians or other people like that have thrown away the concept of global warming is because that uh (laughs) the the models presented offered uh two extreme predictions that they just weren't sure if was 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 accurate to the facts. This really was full on attacks on Al Gore, a human being, um, as a as a fundraising tool, as a way to motivate a base. And also um, at a time when people fucking like the right wings hated Al Gore because it was 2006, the Bush presidency Second term of that was kind of revealed for the sham it always was. Iraq was going nowhere. He had Hurricane Katrina. It's why he lost in a landslide in 2006. And then, like, didn't even show up to the convention in 2008. No one wanted to be associated with him anymore. That's when his military record was outed. That's when we found out that he lost the blueberry pie-eating contest in Knoxville in 1985. Like, every claim that his presidency was based on turned out to be a lie yeah especially in that blueberry pie thing really pissed off some people um once we got video footage of him vomiting under the table and continuing to eat pie it was just like what is what 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 ground does this country even stand on anymore like father like son (laughs) (laughs) tradition (laughs) peter (laughs) but so it's at this point that i think as a whole the country decided like Holy shit, we're so done with George W. Bush, and let's just ride this out to the end. And Al Gore was doing a victory lap. He appeared uh, on Saturday Night Live with the alternate version of, like, the alternate universe version of if he had been president, a very, like, huge cold opening about how essentially he had created a utopia as opposed to the shit we were living with under Bush. And so, like, the conservative – it was kind of like having your – for I think from a conservative perspective – and again, I'm, I'm not saying this is this was wrong, but I think at that time it was like you, you're you've kind of been shown that your emperor, the person who you were rooting for, has no clothes. On top of that, conservatives were very mad that he wasn't doing all the Trumpian stuff that like Karl Rove ran on too. So like they fucking hated Bush. 
the the left was kind of showing, see, this is why we didn't want this asshole in here. Another term, everything we said, everyone's living with. And then Al Gore was kind of going around spiking the football about you should have just I won the election. You should have had me. So I think there was a at that point, a very high level of hatred as a person among the right wing to Al Gore. So regardless of what his message was or what he wanted to talk about, I think you would have seen like a severe reaction to that. But also, I think the mainstream right wing criticism of of this movie or global warming, again, had nothing to do with degrees of model predictions and everything to do that this was fake, that how can humans affect the Earth? And then even beyond that, if it was later on, oh, sure, it's happening, but maybe humans are causing it. But so what? Like, yeah. what what harm is going to... So, I again, I think... I'm not saying your criticism is not something worth talking about or, you know, has some level of validity in it. And I'm kind of excited to get into that. I think acting like that's why this movie was dismissed because it was too alarmist, I think is not accurate to the time. I understand there are a bunch of too far gone conservatives who had financial interest or religious or ideological interest in uh, dismissing this movie out of hand. So, based on that grouping, what do you, what do you leave out that are part of con- like the conservative movement? Like libertarians? I yeah, don't... there's centrists. There's swing voters. There's um, pe- there's people that on their own start sort of are moving out of the. Uh, more right-wing circles because they're feeling betrayed by it. I, I, be- I believe that there are always reachable people in every demographic. And there's also people on the left who said, um, who would be like, you know, that was really powerful that Al Gore did that. He, you know, gave up years of his life to give these talks and he, he made this documentary and he's devoted his life to global warming and then would immediately, the next chance they got to make a environmentally... Uh, sound decision um, to take the take the cheaper yeah take the cheaper route which all of us have done it all of us have been like yeah global warming is a big deal anyways I'm gonna get the bigger car uh, <laughs> like all all of us have have done done it on some scale there weren't a bunch of people that voted for Obama twice and then voted for Trump because people are all immovable I believe it yeah. is worth trying to reach people yeah yeah but I but I think I think a lot of that is I, I'm not saying it's not worth trying to, to reach people but I think even I think one thing that I find refreshing that's kind of been exposed, it's not that, yes, each individual person can do some things to stop global warming. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest mistake that Al Gore and the global warming movement did was to try to do it within the bounds of capitalism um, in that it was all these personal things that you could do. And and then, like, put pl- pressure on the legislators. It wasn't the fact that, like, the problem was, like, no one wanted to – I don't think we were – whether we were ready or whether Al Gore just flatly disagrees with that. I think there was too much um, focus on personal responsibility. Not enough on corporations, you're right. Which is something yeah, exactly. that, like, like left, lefties in the past five years have really glommed on to and is, like, It has. Like, we, we've made the straw – like, sure, plastic straws in the ocean are not great, Right. It's it's that thing like if you are literally posting like fuck this country I thought we were free because of the light bulbs or the straws you end up buying now go fuck yourself you are the worst but also if you think that not that having a paper straw is going to have a demonstrable impact on the environment you are deluding yourself like the problem is these hundred corporations or these hundred richest people that are causing all the problems so. If we want to make it about straws, we're losing the battle. If we want to make it about every time you fly by a carbon offset to you, the the, the consumer making $50,000 a year, you are – which is like one of the things that Al Gore talks about doing. So I, I do think my, – my problems with this movie is that he doesn't focus enough on the ultimate cause, which is, again, uh, capitalism being protected by politicians in the service of getting rich through – through capitalism and i would say even a sequel doesn't really quite quite define that but yeah. um it's not so but i do think no sorry go ahead adam i, I was doing the finger waving approval of, <laughs> of that. yeah and, but i do think you guys came up with something you guys came up with something that i think we needed to lay the groundwork right because like uh 
this discussion can be had by reasonable people talking about how science, you know, scientific models are sometimes off, but like the, the, the general trends are undeniable, right? Like we can have this conversation among, among us, but it's good to talk about the fact that like there are people who have a vested interest or just a lazy interest in not in doing nothing. So like the, the, a lot of folks, like I talk, I briefly mentioned the image of like an, a, a, you know, junior high science student who, uh, you know, learned a set of information. And then when it was challenged later, Pluto is not a planet, whatever, uh, they got disillusioned with science. It was more so that later they were incentivized to not challenge their assumptions that beef was cheaper than tofu and this was cheaper than this. And all making all of your, making all of your, your sort of environmental decisions that are in your hand, uh, making all of them sort of, um, uh, going for the easier route uh, because it's it's easier to not challenge yourself. Um, so I, I I'm game for going through all these facts. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fun because like that's but like it is it is important that we establish like there are people with a vested interest in this not happening. So uh, Aaron, do you want to talk about inconvenient truth? Uh, yes, sure. Cause I need to move. want to give us some alternate taglines for an inconvenient truth yeah you know what i'm just gonna use my favorite quote from the movie an inconvenient truth shovels have gotten bigger it's <laughs> 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 my favorite point they don't talk about it that much there's a scene where al gore shows a hand shovel which doesn't exist anymore because of global warming <laughs> he says shovels used to look like this I think I think some people might have those, but according to how Gore, he doesn't see them anymore. And then shows like a shovel that's digging for the center of the earth and says, "The shovels have gotten bigger." Evolution proved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the evolution of shovels. Where's the missing shovel? <laughs> yeah, where's the missing trowel? <laughs> it's another thing conservatives don't believe in. Like those giant shovels were put here on Earth from God. <laughs> Um, found in the backwoods of the Amazon, we found this backhoe. God gave us the world so we could dig giant holes in it. <laughs> he said, "He said, run free, dig the biggest hole you can." What do you mean that backhoe was made in China? Not according to the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dig uh, free or die hard. <laughs> is it, maybe I was just desperate for a laugh at that point, but I like literally tumbled over with laughter. When he said, when he showed a picture of a shovel, <laughs> a shovel and, and said, shovels have gotten bigger, and then shows another, like a like a giant John Deere shovel. It's like, okay, yeah, You're shovels right. have definitely gotten bigger. I mean, the other shovels, are so, it really depends. It's a job-based shovel that we're talking about, like... It's not like that's the only shovel you get anymore because of global warming. Like, hi, I'd like to till my garden. Well, good fucking luck. Hope, <laughs> yeah. hope your garden is 20 miles long or else we don't have anything for you, uh, The Ms. shovel Edma. industrial complex has truly changed the shape of the planet. But, uh, yeah, if I, uh, if I had some sort of vandalism streak in 2006, I wish I could go back and... Uh, insert the tagline: "The shovels have gotten bigger." <laughs> under every inconvenient truth poster, mm. and people wouldn't people would go see the movie because they would say, "I gotta see these big shovels." What happened to the shovels? So, so these shovels you keep talking about, you say they're getting bigger. How big? Oh, wait till you see the fucking movie. <laughs> it's a big picture. <laughs> um, Peter, why don't you tell us how we got to learning about why the shovels getting bigger? Yeah, it's a problem. So, uh, inconvenient truth is, uh, as I as I hinted, uh, it's essentially a TED TED uh, performance. Uh, well, it's, it's an owl talk. Yeah, it's an owl TED talk. talks. Um, so it's uh, good. that's good. That's good. Um, so it, it's essentially a presentation Al Gore is giving to. Is it a college? What's the? He he tours it around the country, and spoiler alert, he has not stopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based it, on- 
based on an inconvenient sequel. He's still doing it. Still he just yells along. more. He's yeah. he's angrier. Does yeah. he still have any good uh, shovel bits about how much bigger the shovels are since uh, 2015 or whatever? I'm really skipping ahead, but I was actually legitimately disappointed that we didn't just get to see an updated slideshow <laughs> in an inconvenient <laughs> sequel. But like, 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 because I'm sure it's changed, and he does like he is angrier. He has a lot more yelling moments. I do feel like an inconvenient truth is like I'm just trying to educate. This is pretty simple. Here's what I've been working on. And in inconvenient sequel, the stuff they do show from his slideshow tours is like we need people to act. Like he is, yeah. he's becoming a little bit, a little bit more desperate. This is this is a sober presentation. This is this is Al Gore speak giving as much plain speak. There's no fancy, sexy presentations. Like there, there's uh, some clip art, and that's about it. Like it's it's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty plain spoken, even for 2005 or whatever. Was it 2006? Yeah. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, but uh, but he's touring in 2000, like so we're seeing from his his concerts from from 2005. Um, Imagine but, what he could have done with YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but it was like I was more interested in actually seeing what that updated version looks like because I, you know, the stuff they show is actually interesting about like what we got right, what we got wrong. It's like little hints of that. Instead, most most of it's based on how sad Al Gore is that nothing's changed, and also him fighting really hard for the Paris climate. Accords, which is like the bulk of the movie, which then ends with uh, Donald Trump pulls us out of the Paris Climate Accords uh, after all this work that he does. So it's it's a very odd movie. So there's, there's a simplicity to the there's a simplicity to the original that's like here are all the facts. I'm laying them out. This debate has only been um, on a, a, a sort of a base level politicized, right? Like yep. we've got the oil lobbyists involved and we've got, uh, you know, military industrial lobbyists involved and we got some certain corporations are getting uh, kind of antsy about this. But, you know, I'm willing to stand up to my three enemies right now and yada yada. But now the issue has gotten to the point where there's like, where there's like, just random ass dudes in the south or random ass suburban dads in the north or whatever they're like i don't buy any of that global warming crap at least there are like some positive parts like i believe he talks about how a country is completely carbon neutral and totally dependent on wind and he visits a oh you're you're talking about in the sequel and he visits a town that's like one of the reddest places in america and they've gone carbon neutral too Although I suppose, yeah. although that was pre two thousand sixteen elections, so maybe if Gore went back there now, they'd shoot at him. Just a my example of uh, Carter installed solar panels uh, when he, at the end of his presidency, and Reagan had them removed just because, basically. Yeah, if you want the really fuck you story in the sequel, it's about that satellite. <laughs> Holy shit, guys! We, we maybe we save that for the ending, but it does feel depressing because. It's kind of like showing, like, these million people made the pledge to stop using plastic straws. Like, it's good. I'm not saying it's not good. Does it solve anything? No. Like, the major problems are still not really fully getting addressed. And so, yeah, it's good to celebrate these wins. And it's, yeah, it's good to, like, yeah, that Republican mayor or whatever who's like, well, yeah, I, I dislike you most of your politics but this one seems pretty obvious um like it's good it's good to see that it just an inconvenient sequel feels so much more depressing than this movie and this movie is depressing but anyway yeah so but this this there's a sort of um plain spoken uh you know uh i'm just talking to you as the average american who might not have a formed uh, opinion on global warming kind of uh yeah even though global warming had been, uh, you know, a, a statement for thirty-ish years, yeah, forty decades. years before this, yeah. yeah. Like even going back in the seventies, people were saying like something goofy is happening with our carbon emissions. What at this point in the conversation, I think that there were a lot of folks that um, had been politicized on the debate, but it wasn't to the extent it is now. Um, where it's considered sort of like a litmus test for certain uh, levels of republicanism. It has a very plain, not sexy, very sober sort of approach. And it's essentially a, a conversation he's having with folks. He's showing off charts, showing off graphs, 
And then about maybe three times throughout, he has um, cute little animation bits. There's the frog in the water. Um, there's a bit that's um, from the from Matt Groening. Um, I think it's a is it is it a stri- is it a Futurama lift or did it's, Matt Groening? No, it's, it's, no, it's, 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 a, it's a Futurama lift completely. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's not something that Matt Groening let, made for this and then worked it into. No, no. Okay. It's so bizarre it's, because in that Futurama lift, they reference the episode's plot that uh, what they do is they just dump a giant dump the ice cubes. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, that's not what's happening. Why are you including this in your scientific presentation? It's because so, it's because so I, so I, I kind of I kind of like it, but also Al Gore guest stars on that episode. I don't think it's that episode. I think he guest stars on the trilogy of. Two- oh no, yeah, he does. Yeah, he he's doing he a presentation a few times, about yeah. um, yep. his book Earth and the Balance and the way better selling Harry Potter and the Earth and the Balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so he's he's in that episode too yeah. so i'm not much yeah. a fu- of a futurama guy so I, I i when i saw that bit it was the first time i was seeing that bit uh, except for when i saw it in grade school or whatever right um I think one of his daughters so I, I saw this movie writer. i saw this movie when i was uh in junior high no not in junior high sorry i was in high school then i saw it again for the show and yeah i'm not i'm not much of a futurama guy i know that's sort of a not a thing you say to people in public but um they that, that that little bit is one of those bits where it's it's al gore injecting some level of sort of um a, a, a attempt to be sexy or charismatic or fun during the presentation but it feels like what college professors did where they would just be like i'm gonna start the class with some music or like i'm gonna start or i'm gonna show you like 20 minutes of this one uh you know kind of poorly uh poorly researched movie like braveheart or pocahontas or something um or dances with wolves because this one 20 minute segment really shows off what i want to talk about so he has yeah yeah the epitome of that is like the college professor who starts like uh some sort of literature or poetry class by playing like the thong song and they're like this is poetry yeah you laugh (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 He's not wrong about that thong to thong thong thong. <laughs> yeah, they'll read like Shakespeare and saying like, yeah, it's fancier words. But what he was saying in 1400s equivalent is that he also wanted to see that thong to thong thong thong. That doublet to doublet doublet. <laughs> you know, uh, Dead Poets Society also made me cry. And it also made every English teacher on the planet insane. It sent out a ray, <laughs> be annoyed, a ray but... of insanity. <laughs> uh, Let's that... go on walks all the time and yell. Like we're in the military. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... That's essentially the structure, but there's also intercutting the the presentation are bits about Al Gore's uh, background and who he is as a person, and um, those parts are actually really effective. They're essentially Al Gore saying, "I'm not some uh, you know in quotes coastal elite who doesn't understand <laughs> that you might, your life is tied to global warming." He's he's saying yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm a uh, Tennessee tobacco farmer, Tennessee tobacco farmer, and like those cigarettes are obviously not like the leading cause of global warming. His ideas, he's making an argument about how um, there were there was a there was a uh, corporate effort to uh, kill any sort of research into what tobacco smoke was doing to our lungs, um, and then he also talks about how he uh, he came from like a a a cattle family um and like that he came from you know sort of like uh he's sort of positing it as uh, salt of the earth i mean he shows his hand a few times that he clearly grew up with money um but uh, well yeah his his family owned a tobacco farm yeah a tobacco farm it's a peter i don't know if you know this it's a cash crop yeah (laughs) (laughs) are there are there are there gold crops are there silver Uh, crops there, yeah, that's the best crop. Nowadays, the tobacco would be a bit more wacky, I'm sure. <laughs> it'd, be bit, it'd, be, it'd be Bitcoin. <laughs> he's just he's just rubbing an old uh, PC tower. He's like, uh, Bessie's been with us since uh, summer of 14. <laughs> yeah, but he does talk about also like how his sister, like, because they did own a tobacco farm and his sister died of lung cancer. And they, when it came out that tobacco was bad, his family kept running the tobacco farm because they were like, well, 
what else do we do here? And then eventually his dad had a, a change of heart and, and shut it down. And like When the, his sister died, yeah. Yeah. His dad, so the point is, his dad was a, se- a Democratic senator too. I just thought this was interesting, and he was one of um, like those civil rights uh, senators in the Democratic Party before, uh, like a real part of that real early great switch, and before the Southern strategy kicked in. I think he almost became vice president, or at least vice presidential nominee in the sixties. I want to say. Well, thankfully, his uh, his son. Uh, ended up living up to his ultimate legacy, becoming just the vice president. <laughs> yeah. Like father, so, like son. <laughs> so largely the argument is that global warming is real. Um, the structure of the documentary is intercut with the personal bits to sort of make it more than just um, a filming of a you know class lecture. But the, the, the point of it is that as it approaches the end, he's trying to get us into a call of action. What steps can you do as a person um to uh mitigate your impact on the environment and as we discussed earlier we're gonna have a lot of thoughts on uh why personal culpability uh in these decisions is often uh while while important um because it sends signals upward the 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 decisions really need to be made at the top level down yeah i i was struck watching this movie again at how folksy it was at how non um angry it was it's just like hey i you know i'm just gonna give you these facts in a very digestible way uh which i actually thought was super helpful like i knew what global warming was when i saw this movie but it felt like he'd kind of like solved like here's how simple it this is like you may have heard a bunch of angry people yell about it on meet the press but like yeah, this is the line of temperature, and this is the line of CO2, and they're related, and here's how it works. Essentially, like, the thicker the atmosphere, the more heat gets trapped. Like, it's super simple in a way that, like, I hadn't really seen at that time. Like, he he was very good at just, like, this is what it is. This is why it has an impact on temperature. It felt like, again, maybe a little bit of an idealistic college kid at the time, uh, or just just left college. It felt like... Can everyone just watch the first twenty minutes? Because it feels like that would solve the the weather weather carbon dioxide affects the the average temperature of the of the earth. It, if, it, if I might jump in really quickly, yeah, go ahead. A sort of folksy approach is something that like a lot of uh, as as somebody who's a lefty, um, a lot of folks on the left would uh, find very laughable. And very, uh, very like, why would you even fucking bother trying to speak to these people? Like that sort of reaction. But I found it very charming. Me too, yeah. Um, but also boring. We'll get to I, that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I actually felt like... So, I mean, Al Gore, it, it, one of the things, again, not to skip ahead to the sequel, but like it was in... I, I will say the kind of like yelling politician doesn't suit Al Gore very well. Um, I do believe that he's angry and he has every right to be angry, and I do believe he's trying to underline some passion, but it, it felt weird. Like, it felt like, are you going to hit me? Like, it didn't, you know, some some politicians or just general motivators are good at, like, giving you a rousing Kevin Costner speech where you're yelling and passionate, but, like, it feels like a natural extension of what they're trying to get you to do. I can tell you from seeing the sequel, Al Gore does not seem like that. And so, like, I actually really liked it, and... Again, I am just struck by, like, you look over Al Gore's career and, like, it sucks that, like, that plain-spoken folksiness, I'm going to treat everyone like a human being and I'm going to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to explain these things because I think they're important. But, like, I care about, like, we should be listening to scientists. He has that story about, like, when he came to Congress in the 70s and was worried about the the way our pollutants were impacting temperature and thought this is going to be very easy to get people like motivated by this. The data seems pretty simple. Um, And how he talks about how disillusioned he was when he realized that that wasn't going to be the case, that people didn't seem to care like he cared. Um, How he kind of became a joke about like all those initiatives he did with like starting what became the internet about Al Gore says he invents the internet. Like I couldn't help but get the sense that like, Man, he's just a he's a nice guy who's been on the right side of history more than he's been on the wrong side of history, who 
is the kind of politician that we want who's like looking working with scientists figuring out what what is like the most effective way to do stuff and again doesn't mean he's gotten everything right but like the fact that he's just been destroyed by the media as like a boring idiot is just so fucking frustrating well i think some people prefer that angry politician because that reflects their emotional state more i mean yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't debate that. <laughs> At least God, now, God knows Sanders certainly did not have any. If anything, when I went to see Sanders, his audience was angrier than he was. Like they, like those old lock him up chants were said a few times. So maybe when people see <laughs> see Al Gore's folksiness, they think it's condescending. And yeah, there's a, there's a there's a there's a sort of weird thing that like uh, the the um myth dash you know sort of true uh th- let's just say the myth of uh the angry online sanders supporter regardless of what you think of that particular dynamic the actual man is not angry he, yeah. he raises his voice because he's fucking excited but like that this is some dude who like speak it's it's like getting mad at a theater actor for being loud like this is a dude who speaks to small rooms and needs to make sure his voice reaches the back of the room and he needs to make sure that you know he's got skin in the game right so like yes i i, I some part of me would love to see this movie made by a, a bernie type who is is clearly very excited, but on the other hand, I'm like, I don't, I can't really gauge. The, the tide has clearly turned in terms of public opinion on global warming in the past uh, 15 years. It, it just has, um, especially in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even here, like, tons of Republicans believe in global warming now. It's just whether or not the leadership is motivated to make those decisions, right? Or, or whether a lot or not of them the, just think it's it's good. Well, the, <laughs> I, I hate the cold. The, the, or they they believe it, or they think like, oh, well, we we don't think that uh, these three things that I'm very sensitive to are feeders of of uh, you know the phenomena. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in that. I'm they they draw weird lines in the sand to you know get out of culpability. But the fact that they're saying it's real, but here's where I draw the line in the sand, shows you that this movie had tremendous impact. And yeah. my point on, on on this is that, like, we did a bunch of movies that are unfortunately relevant. So we did uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. We did Bowling for Columbine. Very much unfortunately relevant. Like, watching them today felt as fresh as it would have back in the day. Um, if not more so because of the time uh, having a sort of multiplicative effect on the uh, on the material. Um, Religulous and Super Size Me, just kind of these irrelevant sort of dumb vanity campaigns well i think religious i think i think religious is unfortunately relevant because bill maher still exists yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's getting increasingly more irrelevant right like spurlock did not stuff enough fast food into him because he was able to keep going (laughs) (laughs) i would argue this movie is uh fortunately fortunately irrelevant and here's here's my argument for that that the tide the tide has turned year by year no matter where you land politically, more and more folks, uh, and some of that is just, you know, aging and death, um, more and more folks in this country on all sides of the political spectrum believe in global warming to some extent. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. Um, and even folks that were uh, super, super Republican in 2006 are like, well, yeah, but I also invest in soy crops and I invest in biofuels and I invest in like, like even even people that don't have a, you know, a, a capitalistic sort of even folks that don't have a sort of uh, traditional connection to it. Right. Are like, well, I drive a Tesla, but also I vote for Trump. Like there are people like that uh, or never Trumpers who drive a Tesla. Regardless, across all political lines, it's the one issue that's grown and grown and grown in the um, favorability um among folks gay marriage weed uh weed legalization have as well but this is the one i want to talk about because of the movie um and my point that it's it's fortunately irrelevant is because every single argument point he makes there makes here not a single one surprised me yeah they've all been nothing sort of eclipsed in one way or another but eclipsed but also um they've all sort of uh dissolved into the the consciousness of the country every single argument point here 
has been so effective and been so passed on by more effective actors. It's it's in the culture. It's in the air. Like we we speak about global warming using a lot of the language from this movie and people that ended up being more successful communicators and more successful organizers than Al Gore were inspired by this movie, right? Like it's the, what's the velvet underground thing. Not everybody listened to velvet underground, but everybody that did started a band like that kind of thing. So so Uh, not, not, (laughs) not many people saw an inconvenient truth, but everyone that did made their own pop PowerPoints. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But the, yeah, the, the movie, the movie was widely seen, but lots of folks that, so it doesn't quite match. But the point is that like lots and lots of folks, even if it didn't connect with, uh, everybody, the folks that it did connect with, they they went on. They took the, the exact same argument points and grew them and kept doing research and kept finding new um, sort of uh, outputs to global warming. That like global warming is uh, a factor on uh, this in the soil. So I'm going to go look at soil here that, you know, Al Gore didn't have a chance to go look at. Um, and then they find some crazy revelation that blows up the news for a week. Like, that is my argument for why it's fortunately irrelevant. It's not that the topic of global warming has been fixed, but it's that everything in this movie, everybody is aware of, more or less. And I don't know if this movie is actually a good starting point anymore for somebody who needs to believe in global warming for us to save the planet. I agree with your point that you're making. Well, also, I feel like you've left out a large contingent of people, which is the people that weren't, that are still, that will come to a point where they are learning about global warming for the first time. And maybe I'm just thinking about it because obviously I have children. Like, I don't know if I'd like show my daughter the entirety of this because so much of this stuff is less relevant just based on time. Like some some things have gotten more relevant. Some things like if I'm showing someone something that says the 2005 was the hottest year on record and it's 2020, they may go, oh, okay, well, so great. <laughs> it's been 15 years. Um, like I, that's why I said I was I would actually be interested in an updated version of this. But I do think there's components like the pictures of various. Um, uh, locations around the world or the first 20 minutes kind of walking through what it is that like, you know, my my daughter who's about to turn six isn't old enough yet, but when she's like eight, nine, if I wanted to be like, hey, you know, if we started talking about global warming and I wanted to let her know what it was, I could see showing the first 20 minutes of this as like yeah. a good, uh, this as is a why, good like primer. Yeah, this is why mommy and daddy went down to one car. This is why we don't shop here anymore this is why we do x and y this is why we fly less or like whatever whatever the or reason just is here's things you the, should know about the like you're yeah. learning stuff about the world and whatever raises here's another important thing to know but yeah. here's what i'll say to that there every single argument point in this google the argument point on youtube and you will find some helpful maybe college-aged person but some helpful youtube personality being like hi I want to explain how much uh, sea levels will rise uh, in the next 10 years because of global warming. And like that you will find dozens of videos and sure there'll be some right wing like uh, denouncements of it. But you're if you're the one controlling the conversation here and I expect you to vet the video beforehand. Um, But you can find like a 10 minute video by someone who's more charismatic and because Al Gore disseminated these ideas on such a massive scale, there's people who said, I'm going to go look into how much sea levels will rise. And I'm going to make yeah, a video you're right. about like, it. I haven't had to do that because I'm usually not Googling, like, what is global warming again yeah. on YouTube? Because I don't need those. I know so I always say I'm that sure, because I'm I have sure a niece exist. that's slightly older than than your daughter. And I know my sister is doing that with her and being like, yeah. oh, well, you're curious about this. Let me show you what, you know. Also, there's just a part of it that, like, you know, they're learning about, you know, my daughter is in kindergarten this year. <laughs> now she's in distance learning, but she was in kindergarten this year. Um, and you, like, they start coming home wanting to talk about a lot of the concepts that they learn. And sometimes you're like, oh, let's talk about this a little further than you're probably getting in your kindergarten class because you recognize where they're at. So I think that's a really good point, though, that, like, this this movie no one really needs to ever watch this movie again not because it's not the con- like the content isn't relevant but that 
again, you're dealing with 15-year-old data, and that uh, someone, he, this has become such a, a thing that there's more than enough people talking about it uh, in the world. I do have a big problem with this movie, factually. It does spend a lot of time talking about the picture they took from space and the moon landing, when we all know the moon landing is fake. So that really puts everything after that pretty suspect. How'd they get through the Van Allen radiation belts? Uh, yeah, let's talk about how South Park sucks. Uh, yeah, so so while we're talking about, uh, while we're talking about uh, the general attacks on Al Gore... Um, <laughs> Man Bear Pig was is is a sort of meme that um so permeated the culture that it genuinely had a regressive impact on global warming. Like I met so Agreed. so many young left-leaning people uh people who to this day are like disgusted with Trump and would never vote for him who thought Man Bear Pig was hilarious and that uh, global warming was kind of bullshit because they, because South Park made a lazy joke about how um, Al, Al Gore, Gore cares about things. Because, and and that, and it all goes back, this is a point we've been making all month. We connected it with Super, uh, Super Size Me. We connected it with uh, Religulous. Um, I think we also talked about on the Michael Moore month how like this sort of a- apathetic attitude towards um the the world has uh, had a truly toxic effect on the minds of the young um and in this particular case man bear pig like i know so many i know so many young people who like e- even the small personal stuff like um who've given me shit for like i don't really eat red meat anymore because of the environmental effect and like i you know i I was going to spend a lot more money on my car to make it an electric, but then we made some other financial decisions to offset that. And like, I got a lot of shit for just like even considering the environment in my decisions. Um, and then, but they all would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Global warming's real now. But you know, when I was in high school, just the, you know, the, the science wasn't there. When I was in junior high, the science wasn't there. And man, bear pig was a, was a genuine common point in all of these like mostly young men's experience that like um that al gore was this laughable figure al gore somebody who deeply deeply cared about something which is as you know incredibly uncool he uh he fucked up by caring so much about global warming if he just had a passive attitude about global warming maybe south park wouldn't have picked on him but instead he was earnest and honest and sober and excited (laughs) Um, and so he made it, he painted a big old fucking target on his back, um, to the douchebags at South Park. Yeah. And I know it's been said a million times, right? Like that South Park is like, why it's such a damaging show is that it presents caring and as bad and accepting the status quo is good, right? Like when the status quo is generally not good in a lot of areas and has never really been. So whether you want change because you uh, are gay or black or all these other marginalized people who, like, you could list on and off, then then that sucks. That, hey, so there's good people and just accept that if change is supposed to happen, it's going to happen someday. And uh, stop trying to push agendas on people that are just blue-collar Americans working for a buck. Um, but yeah, that was Al Gore, right? Like, he had a, something that he was passionate about because he thought it was important. He thought it would... Damage uh, the world, and um, yeah, the amount of people that I knew in my life for such a long period of time that said stuff like, I'm super serial, guys, as a way to dismiss the concept of global warming. And to this day, like, I still hear it. It's so, like, I really fucking hate those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely have an affinity for uh, certain eras of South Park and, like, um... I still think Book of Mormon is really well written and like very balanced and interesting and yada yada. But like that they they will always have certain sins on their on their back that completely weigh down the show and make it a sort of show that I can't watch anymore. Um, And Man Bear Pig is one. Their their transphobia is another big one. Like all that stuff. Like even if they walked it back later. So Man Bear Pig, they also walked back later. Their transphobia, they sort of um, clumsily uh walked back later but at least made an attempt which is you know 
for such a influential uh show like that's that's something right um but the um they they also did both of those things in the era when their viewership had dropped off significantly so uh the effect of them walking back the man bear pig or the their their transphobic shit uh is greatly greatly diminished uh, compared to what they did initially by going out uh, and making the brave, brave stance that uh, Al Gore is a weird fucking dork that's off chasing uh, cryptids in the woods and that uh, trans people are uh, confused, sexually damaged people. Like, though, though they made they made such uh, strong assertions at some of, some of the peaks of their fame that now it's like, well, no. Well, yeah, sure. I'm glad you walked it back instead of just riding this out for forever. But like, fuck, man. Like, why did you pick those targets in the first place? Well, and one thing I liked about because, I mean, South Park and Bill Maher, kind of funny, we're talking about both in the same month because they do feel like things that I had a place for in my life at one point and eventually like their their strikes against them out like I could no longer even like mentally defend still watching the show anymore. That I eventually just kind of gave up, but like, you know, yeah, Book of Mormon's good. I think I think when they when they turned their, I do think they have an eye for satire, and I think when they turned their satirical eye to stuff that was deserving of satire. Now, of course, deserving based on my own opinion, I think they were good at like I think like something like Imagination Land, which is like not political at all for the most part, is like an interesting topic, like. Uh, that the the fictional characters that we create have more impact than real people in a lot of capacities. What what defines like a care like whether something's real or not, and then has some relatively funny jokes. I haven't seen any of these in quite a long time, so from my memory, or like when they were like doing stuff on like Mel Gibson just being a weird. Uh, just a just a weirdo and when when passion of the christ came out like even before all of that that seemed like a jew hating weirdo um even before he uh you know had all his weird stuff uh about uh when he got pulled over by the police officer or like the one i think about is like a perfect example of when their satire worked was like um some of their post 9-11 stuff where like they talked about like the commercialization of like alan jackson doing his like build a ladder to heaven song where people were just like uh people were taking people's real grief and commercializing it and making that acceptable and if you criticize the commercialization or all these other ways that all these like celebrities or corporate vultures would take advantage of that grief that they kind of uh put themselves uh shrouded themselves in those disasters to deflect all criticism from what they were doing like those are those are good points and they were good episodes and they were funny at some point i think i feel like to me slowly they decided that like yeah i i do i don't feel like it was just they always felt this way i feel like that became just a recurrent and constant thing where they felt like when people try to be like, hey, I like that episode. I'm glad you care about this. They're like, fuck you. We don't care about that either. We don't care about anything. Like, I feel like they, they made a point to become less satiri- uh, satirical and more nihilists in a, in a way that, like, was nihilist nihilistic against change. I don't know. That's my rant on South Park. I'm done now. But Man Bear Pig fucking sucked. And those two really sucked. Even at the time, I remember being like, even as someone who was still like sort of into south park like my like for it it was was waning over the years they had sort of lost because the because in their early years there were there were moments of this sort of earnest um sentimentality that was sort of like sweet and as the years went on they just got yeah. more and more cynical and i know that's partially because cynicism is easily easy and lazy so um but yeah, so fuck them. But we, I feel like it was important to talk about that because from my perspective, not to make South Park the sort of boogeyman that like we we is easy for cultures to pin um, general cultural uh, trends on. Like it's easy to pick one f- source of media. It's, it's easy to pick one piece of media and say because this is indicative of the trend, this is responsible for the trend. I don't mean to do that, right? That's that's not that far off from saying 
violence in schools went up and sales of first person shooters went up. So blah, blah, blah. But in this case, I saw in my life, I saw in my life a general trend People who were otherwise left-leaning, open-minded, science-loving people, a lot of them atheists, mind you, <laughs> or agnostics, uh, suddenly not believing in global warming and not trusting scientists on this one thing because South Park made it made them feel silly for believing in it. Uh, the final thing I'll... Uh, the, the last thing I have to say, again, I, I do think this movie is actually still remarkably watchable for a PowerPoint presentation. I did really like... A lot of the Al Gore personal stuff. I feel like there's a, you know, I I feel like I would like to see a updated slideshow and a biography of Al Gore, and I and I feel like both of this movie and its sequel have some of that in there, and um, but not enough of both to be interesting in 2020. Uh, the only part that I really had a true like problem with, besides again his consistent like individual change, will will affect this which I, again I, I feel i feel like it comes from a bygone error that just isn't accurate in general we've recognized that that hasn't been accurate for forever but the part that really kind of made me roll my eyes the most is it ends with a list of america's crimes and then our solution to those crimes as a as a call to action to stop global warming peter actually texted you <laughs> like what it says if america can end slavery <laughs> we can stop global warming and it's like yeah and he does the same thing we didn't even end slavery in the country that begat us they killed slavery before we had we had even considered it and they say like if we could give women the right to vote yeah i think ixnay on the things that we did as crimes against humanity and marginalization and then eventually through like force and a culture war that persists through this day uh, are still fighting those those remnants of that. Uh, maybe don't like declare victory <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it's like saying like if I can stop abusing my children, I can climb Mount Everest. It's like <laughs> maybe, but I mean, not. let's let's be honest. the The moon analogy is there because it works, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's clear. We made it to the moon. Only loons would disagree with you. Um, I am not a crackpot. Um, yeah. Only loons would disagree with you. And uh, the, but like jumping into sort of like modern, I don't know, not even modern, jumping into sort of like these moral morasses that the, the country has uh, thrown themselves into and being like, see, we did that one. Great. Right. It was totally uh, easy and uh, successful and uh, isn't an ongoing um, sort of experiment for a large portion of the country. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like we we did we did that. We we t technically a bill was passed, and then we're going <laughs> the fucking civil war. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 weird. Yeah, like, and I I get it because like it's true that ending slavery was good. It's great, but it's, it's but but the fact that slavery existed to end bad, the fact that how long it took us bad, the fact that we fought a war over bad, the fact that every part of our history since then has been uh, different ways for us to have uh, slavery, but not with that specific name bad. Uh, yeah, it's like it's a weird thing to declare victory on. <laughs> yeah, and may and maybe that is like the perfect encapsulation of like. Why I, I I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was interesting to revisit, but like in the same way that like why Al Gore can't call out capitalism or doesn't call out capitalism, or maybe he doesn't even realize that capitalism is part is like as a whole. It's not that these there's these companies that are acting immoral. It's that unfettered capitalism, by its definition, makes gives gives these companies the ability to go, hey, do whatever the fuck you want to make profits, and that by by its nature tramples our environment and human rights and a bunch of other things. In the same way that he again declaring victory on slavery is so tone deaf because it's like how can you possibly declare a victory on that for a myriad of reasons? And I think that's the like. That's the tone deaf part of like Al Gore and liberalism and stuff like that. It's not. It's good information about why global warming exists, 
But, like, when we get to solutions, it's always frustrating because it's like, yeah, but you're you're missing the thing here. And now we're arguing about whether a carbon – whether um, donating money every time you fly is the right way is, is hypocritical as opposed to really tackling what the issues are. And I, I think that, like, that ending where he declares victory on a bunch of stuff that's either is still ongoing or um, – or is stuff that we did to ourselves in the first place is is I guess maybe a good encapsulation of of the problem uh, uh, as a whole. That's all I'll say. I've said enough this episode. Uh, Peter, what do you got to wrap up? I said earlier that the movie is kind of fortunately irrelevant, and my argument is that you know every single argument point in this movie has been disseminated to the public in such a manner that like. That it's subconscious at this point like we're having conversations we're having a lot of the same conversations but just expanded versions of them right um which is you know how science works um but uh that is that is that's a measure of its success right like any filmmaker from that makes 80s you know horror trash or whatever could hope that uh their film comes out and uh everybody that's in the theater has a great time and then they make a little bit of money and then they can go on to the next project like no filmmaker could possibly hope to have the level of impact that davis guggenheim and al gore had in this uh, this particular instance where they they changed a conversation of the culture so much so so much so that they kind of ruined their own movie like Aaron and I talk a lot about the sort of Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon thing which is like the thing about Die Hard is that there were tons of imitators but none actually none actually surpassed what Die Hard did with the sort of um, Swiss clock like precision that Die Hard has uh, whereas tons of buddy cop movies came out after Lethal Weapon and while I'm particularly fond of Lethal Weapon as a for some you know sort of uh, softy reasons um, there's so many great buddy cop movies even by Shane Black like in many ways Nice Guys is superior to, to Lethal Weapon um, certainly less homophobic um, in some or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is slightly less homophobic. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Lethal Weapon is better than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but we'll get to that. Um, we won't. We already we won't. covered we both. Won't. We won't. Uh, already did both. Um, but the uh, but the point here is that you should actually. There's two measures of success. One is that you made a fucking you made you climbed Everest. You know, not a great example because lots of people have done it. You've you've climbed super, super Everest. You're the only person to do it. Everybody that tries ends up looking like a pale imitation of what you did when you climbed super, super Everest. Um, <clears throat> fine. The what's uh, it's like a, the the guy that climbed El Cap. Uh, he uh, when he climbed uh, El Cap. Um, yeah, you're free soloing El Cap. Yeah. Like that is that's a sort of diehard. Like people can do a similar sort of free solos, but like none of them will quite compare to Die Hard. Um, but there is. Can you some- get? Hold on. Can you get motion sickness from a metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> With film, sometimes you becoming a uh, irrelevant kind of uh, object. Um, and that your stuff is going to so heavily influence the culture and maybe you make a buck while you're doing it. That's great too. Uh, is grandly admirable. And the fact that the movie's not that enjoyable and it's kind of boring to me now speaks to its power. Um, but the problem is that like na- watching it in 2020, um, it felt like an orientation packet for a 10 year employee, um, to throw in one more, uh, metaphor into the mix. Um, it felt like a orientation packet because like, I was like, all right, this is all the basic stuff you need to know about global warming argument points that Al Gore spent, you know, arguably decades thinking about, um, here, here's everything we know. And, uh, you know, go out there and do good work. And I'm like, well, but the, it's, I, I knew this stuff 10 years ago. What do I do? And like, no, you still have to sit through the presentation. Um, <laughs> so that's why it was kind of boring to me. Um, but I am glad it exists and I will never watch it again. Uh, Yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, this, so I'll say just for the month as a whole on this episode, this episode partic- in particular, and I, I don't mean to offend either of you, because uh, it had nothing to do with you guys, but I, I bet Peter feels the same way. This was a hard episode to, to want to do. 
right now. Uh, it feels like, so not only have we done a month of, like, documentaries of progressively, like, either stressing us out, I think, just uh, the more stuff, as you guys heard, or even, like, I mean, Religious doesn't stress us out from, like, a world cultural perspective, but we did spend three and a half hours, who knows what the cut was that you guys heard, like, talking about our own past and history and stuff that, like, cuts pretty deep for us, I think, at least personally. Hopefully it was entertaining to listen to. And then in the middle of, like, a global pandemic, we have to talk about <laughs> global warming. Um, and, like, you know, it it, it definitely has been, uh, I think, a month that was harder than we anticipated. And then wrapping it up with this, which is both, again, it's a hard movie to talk about for two reasons. One, barely a movie. B, uh, an issue that like do i really need to 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 get in, inundated with um how bad off our world is just even after we get past what's going on right now so uh so i really do thank dustin adam for joining us for this episode it was definitely a weird one i don't know what the edit's gonna look like probably it'll be 50 minutes long but i do really appreciate you guys uh coming on the show and uh for a weirdly uh occasionally contentious episode with four people that completely agree with each other politically and everything else um uh it just i wouldn't i wouldn't have had uh i wouldn't have picked any other people to be on for this episode but hopefully next time you guys are on which is soon uh it's about something a little more fun than than two variations on the apocalypse that we've talked about so recently uh yeah so with that speaking of which peter the next month is fun uh we are doing uh a fancy high school which is uh high school movies high school teen movies that are based on uh works of classic literature we're kicking that off with clueless Next week, and a surprise guest, uh, and then doing "She's All That." That's a, just a Peter and Aaron joint uh, with a su- with surprise movie guest. Uh, we're also gonna talk about not another teen movie because holy shit, can you not watch "She's All That" and not go, "Oh, this is way more <laughs> not another teen movie than I was anticipating." And then we're doing uh, 10 Things I Hate About You" with uh, Liam Haber, and wrapping up the month with. Joey Lee as our guest, and Easy A from 2009, an adaptation of The Scarlet Letter. So that's it, Peter. We made it through. Did we dock up? I don't know if we docked up doing this month, but we definitely, I think, exercised a lot of demons. And now we get to talk about why Rachel Lay Cook isn't a bigger star. We get to talk about it. We'll, we'll sort it out for everyone. Uh, no, it's been a blast. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on, and I cannot wait to talk about uh, share next week. Bye, bye. <laughs> the man from the television crawling to the train. I wonder who is gonna stick it in this time. Everyone was looking for a little entertainment, so they probably put their hands up. so much for listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> if you can't <laughs> uh if you don't have a few bucks to chip in we totally understand and you want to support the 
show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.